Well, hey, Compass Church, it's good to see you. Good to be here tonight and uh, good to be with you here and, uh, and, and, and thankful for the opportunity to come and share God's Word, both, uh, both here at our Hobson campus and at 95th Street as well. Glad, glad you're able to gather together there, worship for 95th Street. I have no idea where 95th Street is, to be perfectly honest, but I know it's at least 94 streets away from where we are right now. Uh, but, but I'm glad that we can be at both of these places at the same time. So my name's Ed Stetzer, and, uh, and I, I do serve now at Wheaton College. And so it's exciting that you had a... Uh, a Moody Bible Institute person here last week. Got a Wheaton College person the week after, but then you got the Veggie Tales guy the week after that. So who cares about the Moody and the Wheaton people? Because Bob the Tomato will be here next week, and so that's a whole different level of awesome. Anyway, so so uh, good to be able to share with you and to be able to open God's Word. If you have a Bible, take it out. You can turn with me. We're going to look at four passages kind of quickly. We'll go through them. But if you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles in the seats there with you, and and and, and both Hobson ninety fifth and elsewhere. And so you can follow along with us. If you have your own Bible, I want you to turn there because I'm actually going to encourage you to jot a couple of things down, even inside your Bible, and that's okay uh, for you to be able to do. I give you permission to do that. It's not defacing the Bible. It's actually emphasizing things in the Bible. So I want to talk today about what it means to talk and look at the commissions of Jesus. Uh, There are actually four commissions of Jesus that I want us to look at to remind us here about the mission we're on uh, here at Compass Church. And really every church is on this mission uh, with Jesus. And so we're going to look at, uh, at, like I said, four things that are going to help us to understand the mission, right? To be missions-minded, to be gospel-centered, and ultimately to walk in spirit empowerment. So that's our plan, is to look at those four things. And to do that, I want us to build a sentence that will help us to remember the emphases that we see here in these four commissions. So if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that. Number one on your outline is this. It's Number one is, is we are sent. We are sent. Now, I want you to look with me at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you use one of our Bibles, that's on page 1088. Give you a second to get there. Find it in your Bible. John chapter 20 is the passage. And in John chapter 20, uh, it, it actually gives us some more details and background. It starts in verse 19. It says, uh, in the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together. Uh, the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. And then it gets to, a little bit later on, Jesus appears to them and and he shows him his hands and his side. And then verse 21 says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, I am sending you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. Now I want you to notice, because remember the point was real simple. Uh, Number one was we are sent. Well, where do we get that from? Well, we get that from the Bible And we get that from many places, but one of the most telling and significant places is that in John chapter 20, Jesus is actually echoing something that he has said throughout the gospel of John. As a matter of fact, on 40 occasions, Jesus has actually said that he is sent by the time we get to the end of the gospel of John. He says, the Father has sent me. I've been sent by the Father and his name. And over and over again, we get this theme that Jesus says, God the Father has sent me. So if you got that message, you've been reading the Gospel of John, you would have got that. But then what he says at the end is, oh, almost as a surprise to them, and and, oh, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So, So here's the deal I want you to miss, right? So every Christian, now that's to the disciples, obviously, 
But every Christian, if you believe that when Jesus speaks to the disciples then, he's speaking to the disciples now, every Christian is sent by Jesus on mission. Every Christian is sent by Jesus on mission. I want you to do something. I want you to look to the person to the next of you right here at Hobson, 95th Street and elsewhere. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, he's talking about you. Just go ahead and do that. He's talking about you. You see, because... Sometimes when we hear about being, people being sent, we think that we're referring to missionaries or maybe to mission trips, right? We send people as missionaries. We send out mission trips. Now, those are both correct and true things. We do send missionaries and we need to do more, not less, missionary sending. We send mission trips and we need to do more, not less, missionary short-term mission opportunities. Now, but, this is the thing I don't want you to miss, Jesus says to all the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, reminding us that we are sent. Now, I love being sent on uh, mission trips, right? I I love going on uh, mission projects. So, um, for example, my favorite place in the whole world to go on a mission trip is to West Africa. And so I remember a few years ago, I took a a team of students. I was a professor at the time. I took a team of students on a mission trip to uh, to Ghana in West Africa, to a a village outside of Kumasi called Apatrapa. And I loved it. It was my favorite place for many reasons. But for one of the reasons, in this particular place, in this particular culture, they think being a fat man is incredibly attractive. And... uh, (laughs) No reason I would have a particular affinity for this people group. Uh, but, but I loved the fact that I was kind of walking through the village of Apatrapa and I was waving at people and they were seeing an incredibly attractive man. And I like that. They would say, look at that guy. He is the best look. And I just kind of wave my best beauty queen wave, beauty king wave. Um, so, so I went there and, and, and actually when we know that we're sent on a mission trip, we're, we're actually often willing to get uncomfortable. So, um, so I sent there, I went there and I brought my students there and, and the first Sunday we were there, the second Sunday we were there, we I had the privilege of preaching, um, to about 120 people at a church. We just started that week, um, out in the open under a tree with chickens, uh, around in the middle of our service. But the week before I attended a church that was, uh, about a thousand people. And it was, uh, it was, uh, I was, I was the only white person there. So it was a thousand Africans, uh, and me. And, uh, and I stood out. I felt a little bit uncomfortable, out of place, but it was okay because I was uh, willing to get uncomfortable because Jesus sent me on this trip. So I remember I was uh, seated uh, sort of up in the front and uh, on, the, uh, on the, the one side. And so, uh, and, and they were actually, they're very uh, vibrant and enthusiastic in their worship, right? So people were, people were dancing and, and people were jumping. And, uh, and, and I don't do either of those things because it's in the Bible. Second Opinions chapter 4, verse 11 says, uh, there's no dancing and jumping in church. So I, I'm, I know you're with me. I'm opposed to those things. So, so, but I was sort of joining in a little bit, you know, I was kind of clapping along, maybe lifting one leg, not two, but one leg, kind of following along doing that. And it was going great until the time of the offering. And what they do at the offering is different, right? So at our campuses here at Compass Church, we, we pass something and you put something in. But in most of the world, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere, they actually put the offering stations up front. And then in the worship service, you come down and put them in the, in, in the stations or whatever it may be. In this case, it was a thousand people and it was one big barrel that they put in front, which I mean, surely this is not the first time they've done this. So I thought they must have a plan 
to get a thousand people in a reasonable amount of time to come and put their offering in the, in the barrel, the offering barrel. Not even a, not even a, a bucket, it's a barrel. And so they, the music began to play. They announced the offering. Someone translated to me. It was because they were speaking in the language called a chui. And someone translated for me. And um, so they told people to come up. And I thought, okay, what's going to happen now? Because I had, uh, now I knew that I had to make the journey from where I was seated, kind of over here, to, uh, to the, the offering barrel, which was going to be a little um, uncomfortable, but it wasn't that far of a distance. So I was ready to go, had my offering, and so then it began, and I was about ready to go, and their plan began. Their plan is to form a thousand-person dance conga line, uh, that, which would be great if it started on my side, but it actually ended on my side. So it started over here, and so my job for the next 20 minutes or so was to uh, dance up and down every aisle and every row uh, at a thousand-person church following the person in front of me who actually was dancing in a way that was appropriate. I, I grew up in the 70s, so the only way I know how to dance involves pointing. And, uh, and so, uh, so I danced my way through a thousand-person church. And I can assure you, I was beautiful and uh, an attractive, most attractive man there, and, and, and I was out of place. But I was willing to do that because I had been sent on a mission trip to make a difference for the gospel. Now, we know these things, right? We know missionaries go to make a difference for the gospel. They've been sent. We know that mission teams go and make a difference for the gospel. What I want you to hear, what I don't want you to miss is that same impulse is what you and I need as followers of Jesus to say, here I am, Lord, Isaiah said that, here I am, Lord, send me. So he sends us to Naperville and Delisle and to Wheaton. He sends us to Ghana and to peoples in West Africa and peoples around the world. But as a follower of Jesus, he sends you. So if you're at 95th Street, if you're at Hobson, if you're watching online, you are sent by Jesus on mission. Now, now, now again, you say, but Ed, that's, that, that's forever. that seems like for everybody. Aren't only certain people sent in certain ways? Well, that, I mean, there are ways that people are sent, but all of God's people are sent. It's a very famous preacher. His name was uh, Charles Spurgeon, and he put it this way. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So, so, so this is the thing I don't want you to miss. This is the thing I want to make sure that we all get, is that all of us are sent by Jesus. Every single one of us are sent by Jesus to our neighbor. Every single one of us is sent by Jesus to our coworker, to our family members, ultimately to all the nations. But we're sent to our neighbor and through our churches and our partnerships to the nations. Why? Because our job is to hear the words of Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Here I am, Lord, send me. So your job and mine at this point is to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I know I'm sent. If I'm sent in this community, if I'm sent in Naperville, if I'm sent in the West Chicago, Western Chicago suburbs, then I'll live here and I'll, I'll live as one who is sent here. But you know what your job is? Your job ultimately is to be obedient to wherever the Lord sends. Right? Maybe, maybe even here this weekend, what you're being sent to do is to, is to consider a, a move with your company to, to go to a, a place that's a restricted access country so the gospel might be shared through your company. Maybe you've been praying about a call to global missions, whatever it may be. You know what your job is? Every Christian's job is simple. You put your yes on the table, let God put it on the map. 
right? Wherever the Lord wants you to go, you're willing to go to a neighbor, to a different nation, to a coworker, to a people group around the world. As a follower of Jesus, we are sent. God is a sender by his very nature. We're responding to how God has sent us. Now we see this throughout the Bible. We see throughout the Bible, God's just sending people, right? He sends uh, Abram, who later he renames Abraham, to be uh, blessed and be a blessing. He, he, he said, Isaiah responds to the holiness of God by saying, here I am, Lord, send me. There's a recurring theme of sentness, right? We're all sent. The only question is where, among whom, and doing what? All Christians are sent. So some of you are sent right here to, to serve persons with special needs so that they might be ministered to. My wife has a Masters in special education, special passion of her life, to serve people with special needs. That's being on mission for Jesus. To teach kids, that's being on mission for Jesus. To work with students, to, to, to be involved in the prayer team, to be involved in whatever, for you to say, Lord, I put my yes on the table, you put it on the map. So number one on our outline is uh, we are sent. But that's not the totality of it today. Number two is uh, to all different kinds of people, to all different kinds of people. Now, to get there, we're going to turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, it's probably one of the more familiar passages. You may have heard it before. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says uh, these things. He, he says, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, uh, been given to me on, on heaven and in earth. And then he says to them, don't want you to miss this, go. He, he's, he's leading them in a direction. Therefore, go. And make disciples, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want you to look back at the middle part of that passage when it says to all nations, to all nations. In the, in the Greek, the New Testament's written in Greek and translated into our English language. It says in the Greek, uh, panta ta ethne, right? Uh, panta ta ethne. Now, the, the panta ta ethne, when we hear it, it translates to all nations. But I want you to know that when Jesus spoke those words, he did not mean nations in the way that you and I mean nations, okay? Because they didn't exist then. We think of nations, we think of countries, we think of the United States, right? We think of Germany, we think of, uh, of South Sudan, we, we think of uh, Malaysia. Uh, those things didn't exist, those ideas didn't exist, that you'd have borders and, and, and passports and customs, those, those ideas didn't exist. There were peoples, and peoples would sort of move around. So patata ethne is, by the way, from the same root word that we get our word ethnic, and so when Jesus said to his disciples to go uh, to Pantata Ethne, to all peoples, he was, the, the people who would have heard him, the, the Jewish followers of Jesus at that time, would have heard the Gentiles, all, all kinds of people all over the world. So 2,000 years later, I want to say to you and encourage you to consider that when Jesus says to go to all nations, Pantata Ethne, he's reminding us to go to all different kinds of people. And we do that for example, through our global mission partnerships here at Compass Church, where we support uh, through around the world people who are showing and sharing the love of Jesus to the, to the Pokot in Africa, to the Quechua in the highlands of Peru, to the Iban in Malaysia. But it also reminds us to go to all different kinds of people here. But let me give you an example. So a few years ago, I was uh, speaking at a church that uh, one of my students had started, and the name of the church was uh, Sojourn 
church. That's it, just sojourn. Um, and he had started the church in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was sort of in the, the uh, I don't really know the equivalent in the Chicagoland area, uh, but it was sort of in the uh, art and uh, croissant district of Louisville. So it's all these artists slash waiters uh, who are who are trying to break into the art world. And I don't know a lot about art. My, my daughter's uh, artistic. I'm not. Uh, but they, uh, so he planted this church. And, and uh, the church had grown to about 200. It met in an old um, kind of cathedral-looking building. They rented the church on Sunday night. It's actually predominantly empty on Sunday morning. But they rented it on Sunday night. They'd grown to about 200 people in a few years. And so they asked me to come and to fill in one night. And when I walked in, um, I immediately noticed that I was, a, uh, I was a stranger in a strange land. Okay. I walked in, because I am not an artist. You may have picked up on that already. I don't, I don't even know what arting looks like. Uh, and um, so I walked in, and first of all, the, the age, right? So I was in my, uh, this was maybe 10 years ago. I'm in my late 30s at the time. I walked into the building, and I can tell you, uh, everybody there was 15 years younger than me, right? At least. It looked like the median age was maybe 22, 23 uh, they were all artists, you know, and, and they all, it was, it was just fascinating to look at them because they all, everyone wore black uh, and they had, uh, you know, they, they all they looked very serious. Like, and they only met Sunday nights at that time because I guess they were up late arting the night before. I don't really know, but that, I don't know what they do. Um, and so, so I walked in and it's funny because I, I walked in the back and you remember, it's kind of a big oak auditorium. And as I walked in the back, I immediately noticed that uh, I didn't know any of the songs. So I found out later they don't sing uh, any commercial music that, you know, Christian publishers may do. They write all their own songs because so they don't want to be sold out to the man. They're artists, you know, so they, which, which means you never know any of the songs. And the, so that's a great blast. Uh, so anyway, so I walked in, I noticed that. And the second thing I noticed is that the music was entirely too loud. Now, now this is an intriguing moment for me because at this point I had been planning churches my, uh, my whole ministry life in Buffalo, New York and Erie, Pennsylvania. And so now I became a professor. My student goes, plants this church. I visit it and I have literally had this conversation with hundreds of people. Hundreds of people have said to me, pastor, I'd come to your new church if the music wasn't so loud. The music's too loud. And I, I have thought to myself hundreds of times, and I said out loud maybe a handful, if the music's too loud, maybe, maybe you're too old. And, uh, and then I walk into the church, I start walking down the aisle and thinking, that music's too, oh, I'm that guy now. <laughs> it appears there's like a time when you change teams on that whole thing, right? So I'm like, oh, that music's too loud. <gasps> and so I looked at the worship band, they were up there, there were six of them, right? They were, they all were uh, 22, they all had, uh, they all had jeans with holes in them and and they, they had black sneakers, and they had black T-shirts, and they had, they had bleak, thick black rim glasses and, 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 and black hair with blonde highlights. All six of them, they were all individuals, didn't want to be squeezed into the mold of society. <laughs> Seen that, have you? And I looked around the church, and you know, everyone had a tat, or everyone had, a, had facial jewelry, and so it looked like, but it wasn't just like a little, you know, little here or there. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was as if, I don't know, there were like little, little hooks and studs. There was like one, one person had like a, a thing in their eyebrow and a thing in their, in their nose, and then a little chain that went between the eyebrow and the nose. And I wouldn't say, is that real? Ow! And just to see. It looked like half the church fell into a tackle box and then came to church that night. 
And I'm not, I'm not judging, right? You know, I got, I got all, I'm all good. I'm not here to criticize any of those things. I'm just saying, I was a stranger in a strange land. These people were different than me. So I, I, uh, I preached that night, and it was interesting because I don't know how they respond to me or how I respond to them, but, but um, after, afterwards I sat down and I watched what took place next. And, and I'm kind of an observer of churches. So I was seated there waiting, and, um, and, and they had the Lord's Supper that night. They actually take the Lord's Supper every, every night, at their, every Sunday night at their church. And so what happened was uh, the associate pastor was there. He, he did what theologians called uh, fencing the table. So he said, if you're um, not a follower of Jesus, this wouldn't be for you. If you have unrepentant sin in your life, this wouldn't be for you. And so I'm sort of seated over here watching as people begin to come. They don't go row by row. They go when you're ready. And so we begin to come. And half the people don't come forward for the Lord's Supper. And some of them are next to me. And I can actually hear them weeping and praying. And in some cases, kind of dealing with some stuff in their lives, taken so seriously the Lord's Supper. And then people would come up and receive. They take the bread and they dip it in the cup and they go back. And they began to pray with the people next to me who then would deal with whatever they're dealing with. And they would come. And I, and I watch all this and I think this is, God is working in a powerful way. And a few minutes later, they did two baptisms that day and, and kind of in this oak baptistry up high on the side. And, and the first young man, 22 years old, he gets up. In my church, we just ask, um, have you trusted Christ? They say, yes, we baptize them. Um, in this case, they give their testimony testimony. And it's, it's unfiltered, right? It's live. And so he gets up and he talks about his sexual addiction and, 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 and brokenness and the struggle. And, and then he says, but Jesus is changing me. And he said, I'm not there yet, but I've trusted Christ and I've been, been, been made new in Christ. And, and, and he's baptized and the, and the people are, are applauding and crying. And then another young man gets up and he talks about growing up in an alcoholic home and, and drug addiction and more. And he says, then Jesus changed me. And, and then he's baptized to the crying and the applause of the people. And I think to myself, these are not my people. I'm not sure I'd even go to this church, but thank God somebody had heard the words of Jesus and was willing to go to all different kinds of people, to the Pantata Ethne around the whole world. See, see that, that, that's ultimately the call of Jesus. So going to all different kinds of people means we're going to get uncomfortable sometimes. And it's interesting to me that people, man, people will sometimes war to the death over worship styles while the world dies around them into an eternity without Christ. And I thank God that somebody had heard the words of Jesus and gone and planted a church there or engaged a culture there. Now, now you say, Ed, you were kind of hard on their music. Listen, I, I believe um, there's no such thing as Christian music. There's only Christian lyrics, Right. Uh, God can and does use any form of music for his glory and honor, um, except country western. But, uh, uh, I mean, he could, but he loves us, and so he doesn't. Uh, and I, I just moved from Nashville, by the way, so maybe that explains the move. Um, the, uh, um, it was funny, the next week, I was, I was uh, two weeks after that, I was in a church in Oklahoma. That I was, I, my flight was a little delayed, so I, I, uh, I got there, and... Uh, about 10 minutes after the service started, and they were, they were already singing that, that, that country-western devil music, and uh, they're actually singing Victory in Jesus. I don't know if you sing Victory in Jesus, or maybe you've sang Victory in Jesus at some point, but they were singing Victory in Jesus a little different, though, than I've heard it. Here's how they sang it. This is literally how they sang it. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, yee-haw, how he gave his life. And I'm like, they just yeed. With a subsequent haw. 
in the midst of the melody. Um, and I knew I was, again, a stranger in a strange land. And I, and I looked, and the, and the people were seated. It was very strange. The people were seated, like, you kind of looked, and there was like a, a person and a space and a person and a space. But I couldn't see because the chairs in front, the ro- actually pews in front, person and a space. So I, so I looked over the first pew to see what it was, and it was a person and a hat and a person and a hat and a person and a hat. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is a new, it's a new place for me. So I get up, I started preaching. I'm saying, God's speaking to your heart today. And they'd be like, come on, brother, preach it. And I'm like, I'm trying. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> the more I preached, the more they preached. They were just going at it. Um, so after church, we, we went to uh, Western Sizzler. It's the law there. And uh, we went through the feeding trough and we sat down at the, uh, at the table. The pastor was getting some ice cream, which is just what we pastors need is more ice cream. And I was seated right next to uh, his friend. And so, and I don't remember his name. It was Bill or Bob. It wasn't Billy Bob. I'd be lying. Uh, but he sort of reminded me of Billy Bob. That wasn't his name. Um, so I said to him, I said, I said, Bill, what brought you here? To, I think the name of the church was Crossroads or Crossways. I said, what brought you here? And he said to me, preacher? He said, six months ago, I got out of prison. Now he had my full undivided attention at this point. I was checking the silverware. Uh, and uh, he said, preacher? And here's what he said. He said, uh, he named a church. I don't even remember the name of the church. He said, I went to such and such church and I couldn't afford to go there. I didn't know what that meant. Maybe, you know, sometimes we do social activities at a level sometimes that other people can't join in. Maybe that was it. I don't know. He said that I went to another church and, and, and he said it was clearly they didn't want an ex-con there. And that broke my heart for him. Now he didn't come to Christ in prison, but he actually came out and said, I got to start over. And so then he said, and his words were, then I came to, and he named this church Crossroads. He said, and his words were, I got radically saved and washed in the blood of Jesus. And again, I, I, I thought to myself, I mean, that's not language we use at my church as much, right? It's biblical language, all good language, but, but, um, but I thought to myself, thank God that somebody had heard the words of Jesus to go to all different kinds of people. You see, when, we, when, we, when we're on mission, we're going to go to all different kinds of people. And we look at the western Chicago suburbs, there's all different kinds of people all around us right now that need somebody to show and share the love of Jesus to them. It may involve a, a, a Bible study we start. It may involve relationships that we build. It may involve churches that we plant. But our job is to hear the words of Jesus and to go to all different kinds of people. Why? Because we are sent to all different kinds of people, right? Number, number three in our outline. Number one, we are sent. Number two, to all different kinds of people. Number three, with a message. Now, this passage is the one that you may be uh, the least familiar with of the passages uh, that record commissions of Jesus. That wouldn't be uncommon. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus is speaking and he says, uh, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance of forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations, you are beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Right? So we rise, suffer and rise from the dead in the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. So, number one, we're sent. Number two, uh, to all different kinds of people. Number three, with a message. So there's not sent to just do whatever. 
Right, so our, our, our church, Compass Church, and, and, it's, and it's campuses in and, and Wheaton and 95th Street and Hobson, we're not here and others to come. We're not here so that we might simply have a nice time together, right? So we're, we want to have a nice time together. We're not here just to have fellowship. We want to have fellowship. But central to what we're here to proclaim is this message. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead in the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That's why when you, when you hear Jeff speak of, Pastor Jeff speak of, Jesus dying on the cross for our sin and in our place, and if you're a guest or if you're watching online, let me just say the message we have for you is the message of Jesus, and it's of Christ crucified. God raised him from the dead, and you can receive him by grace and through faith. I, I, have, um, I have three daughters, so that's both a statement of reality and a sobering prayer request. Um, <laughs> And so they, uh, I have um, been with them now. We, we moved here two weeks ago. Um, we haven't moved all our stuff yet. We moved uh, enough. We were sleeping on mattresses that we stole from Wheaton College. Uh, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that on the tape. Uh, so, um, but I got three daughters, and um, we have no television. We have uh, no radio. And uh, so we have spent a lot of time talking the last few days. And can I just say, they have so many words um, and I'm thankful for all of them, right? So, uh, but my oldest daughter, she's uh, starting Wheaton College in the, in the fall. Uh, by the way, she actually decided to go to Wheaton College before I accepted the job at Wheaton College. So we had a subsequent awkward conversation when she was uh, going away to college and quite excited about moving 500 miles away so she could experience uh, going away to college life. And two months later, I said, honey, we need to talk. Uh, and her exact words were, so let me get this straight. You people, her words, are the ultimate helicopter parents. Um, but anyway, we've worked through that, and she's uh, excited or less unexcited. Um, but I remember running up to her room recently, and uh, we, the house we just sold in Tennessee, and I walked upstairs, and I, I had something to tell her. I get up to her room, and I knock on the door, because she's 17, so she's always behind the door. And so I knock at the door, and she opens the door, and she says, yes? And, 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 and I couldn't remember why I had been in a hurry to go upstairs to tell her something. Now, I'm sure this never happens to you, right? So, so I had to be ready. So I said, honey, I just wanted to tell you I love you. And uh, she totally bought it. And uh, we hugged, and I went back downstairs. And I still don't remember why I ran up the stairs that day. Here's the deal, though. You don't want to be a Christian or a church, but you don't want to be a Christian who's on mission for something and forget the message that Jesus gave you to tell others, right? So we're sent to all different kinds of people, right, with a message. Now, that means we're going to do it different ways, right? Um, we're going to, uh, some of you are going to be uh, serving and ministering inside the community, some of you, uh, the church community. Some of you are going to be serving and ministering through the church community. Some are going to be serving in ministry beyond the church community. But all of us are called to show and share the love of Jesus, to share this message. Number one, we're sent. Number two, to all kinds of people. Number three, with a message. Uh, number four, and some of you are doing division right now, and you recognize that, that if I keep number four, the length of number one and number two, we're going to be here a really long time today. Um, so let me say in conclusion. Now, uh, what does it mean when a guest speaker says in conclusion? Well, absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, um, in conclusion, number four, and finally, we're sent to all peoples, to all kinds of people with a message, number four, and finally, empowered by the Spirit. Now, I really want to focus on this because uh, you can't do this, this living sent lifestyle. Some people call it an on-mission lifestyle. Some call it a missional lifestyle 
without the power of the Spirit. So we're sent to all kinds of people with a message empowered by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, that's the only way that you can live sent to your neighbor. That's the only way you can help reach the nations. That's the only way you can do that. And Jesus, in his fourth commission, actually tells us that very thing. It's in the book of Acts. It's in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is again speaking, and he says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, but you will receive power. Now, how are you going to do these things? Because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, right? You're going to receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you to miss this, right? This is really, really essential. What they wanted to talk about was a lot of other things, right? They wanted to talk about um, the end times. Actually, look at verse 6. It says, uh, when they gathered around him, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they want to talk about, is this the end times? Jesus says, it's not for you to know. Times are the periods the Father has set by his own authority. But then he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? People love to talk about the end times. Jesus wants you to be thinking about the power of the Spirit and living on mission for him. Say, well, is it wrong to talk about the end times? No, but I'm just saying people are disproportionately interested in it. Listen, if you, if you did a seminar on the end times, Pastor Jeff got here and he, he got some charts and with some dragons with horns on them and... Uh, kind of explain the end of all things, the church might be pretty full, right? So I think Nancy Ortberg once said that if you want to fill up a church, you can speak on three things. She said uh, sex, right? Uh, The end times. And thirdly, will there be sex in the end times? Uh, (laughs) That was Nancy Ortberg who said that, if that offended you, not Ed Stetzer, Nancy Ortberg. Um, But Jesus instead says, no, no, it's not for you to know those things, but instead you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses, right? To show and share the love of Jesus to the broken and hurting world, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, can I just, can I, can I commend for a minute? You know, I, I do research on churches. Um, I shouldn't say that. I guess a month ago I did research on churches. You know, I, was, uh, I led something called Lifeway Research. We did ch- research on churches, and we see churches like yours, and they're very unusual. Um, we, have a kind of, we have a section for churches like yours. We call them freakishly abnormal. Um, I mean, what God has done through your church is a pretty uh, remarkable thing. So be thankful for how God has used Compass Church in its different campuses and expressions. But what I want to also say to you is, how does God want to use Compass Church? I think ultimately that will be shaped and answered by how you and I live on mission for Jesus. If well, you and I will acknowledge that we, not, not, not Pastor Jeff, not Pastor Daryl, not, 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 not so-and-so and so-and-so, not missionaries alone, but all of us, we are sent, and then to all different kinds of people, right? It might be neighbors nearby. It might be people groups who have come into our area. It might be missionaries that we help support to all different kinds of people. We're sent to all different kinds of people with a message, unembarrassed and unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul writes in Romans. And so we might say, with a message of the death of Jesus on the cross for our sin and in our place, with a message, and ultimately walking in and empowered by the Spirit. So my encouragement to you this weekend is simple. Let's live as those who know we are sent to all different kinds of people with a message empowered by the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, by your grace and your goodness, we acknowledge that you have redeemed us and called us by name. If we're 
followers of Jesus gathered here today. And Father, as those who have been changed by the power of the gospel, we want to live in the light of its truths. Some of those truths are that we are redeemed to be agents and messengers of redemption. We are reconciled to be agents and ministers of reconciliation. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that in your goodness and grace, you might prompt in our hearts today, wherever we might be, watching online, Wheaton, 95th Street, Hobson, wherever we might be, that you prompt in us today a clear sense that we're not here solely for ourselves, but we're sent to all different kinds of people with a message empowered by the Spirit. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen.